really have a story within a story in this scripture, a miracle within a miracle. As you know, I like that kind of thing. I enjoy uh, when things happen and more than one thing may occur. And in this scripture, many things are happening all at one time. And it fits one of my laws. As you know, I, back a few years ago, I started rewriting my theological understanding and laws. And one of my laws, of course, is motion, emotion, eternal. And you've heard that in a sermon before. And today we're going to look at that a little bit more in depth using this scripture and showing us how God is at work in our lives, helping us where we are in powerful ways. And sometimes we do not even realize it. In the scripture, what takes place is that Jesus has come once again across the water. And here he is, the lake, and a large crowd is gathered around him. And one of the synagogue rulers, understanding the Jewish faith, there's a single person who's considered a synagogue ruler, one who is, I guess, the chair of the board here in Methodism. His name was Jarius, and Jarius uh, was a man of great faith, but he had, he had issues, and his issue in particular was his little daughter, his 12-year-old daughter, was very sick. As you know, sickness is common now. It was even more common in the ancient day because we didn't have the medications we have now and we didn't, uh, they didn't have the health that we have now in the healthcare. Uh, so in the scripture, we're seeing this event take place. So we have motion already that Jesus is moving across the water, he lands. As he's there, people start gathering around him and here he is in the middle of this motion of people. He's like the eye of the storm. He's calm, yet everything is revolving around him. The crowd is gathering around him. They're seeing him. And Jairus comes out of this motion, this storm, and he falls down at Jesus' feet. He won't be the only one to do that in this story as it unfolds, but he's the first in this particular part of the story. And he falls down. Here he is a leader, yet he submits to the authority and the majesty of Christ, and he falls down there before him, and he pleads earnestly, the scripture says, he pleads with Jesus. Now he knows Jesus is a miracle worker. He's already heard about it. He has seen it perhaps. He knows something is going on with this particular man, Jesus, and his ability to heal people. So in the scripture, he comes and he recognizes that power. He falls down at the feet of Christ and he pleads with him, my little daughter is dying, please come. And here's a real important point, put your hands on her. Now, the action of putting hands is not just simply reaching out and uh, just touching someone. In the Jewish faith, putting hands on is ordination, it's blessing. All throughout the Old Testament, when you have a prophet who lays their hands on someone, it's the hands of God are being represented. In this case, it is the hand of God because Jesus is God incarnate, and Jairus is not even realizing, even though he asked for a blessing, he thinks from a prophet, from a healer, he's actually asking for a blessing from God, Jesus, the Son of God. So he says, my little daughter is dying, please come. In other words, Jesus, I need you to move in the direction I need you to go. 
So the motion is there, yet in the midst of this, Jesus is still, and everything is revolving around him. And it's amazing. We talked about this the other day, Nathan, how all these centuries later, Christ is still relevant. Christ still matters. We still need Jesus. There's not a week that goes by that someone in this church or related to this church, we all need the prayers and the faith of someone to reach out and to touch us and heal us in our times of need. Christ is not only still needed, he is earnestly needed. And we need Jesus in our life to touch us where we are, to heal us from our brokenness, our pain, our sorrow, our disease, our, our situations. Christ has that ability. And here is Christ in the midst this morning, the steel, and we are in motion around him coming here today to his table. And so in this scripture, it sets up the main story, which is Jesus now going to see the little girl. So Jesus went with him. And once again, a large crowd is following. Imagine all that motion of people that are moving around. And now we'll turn to the second part of the story. The motion now becomes emotion. It's no longer just the stillness of Christ being the eye in the middle of the storm. Now it becomes the emotion of what is about to take place. A large crowd is pressing around him. They're gathering. There's many people. And suddenly there's a woman in the midst of that crowd who has suffered. She has spent every last dime she has to heal herself. And no doctor, no medical, no person could help her. In fact, now she's at the end of her rope. She suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and has spent all these years, but instead of getting better, she's been getting worse. And I've known people to go to doctors and they get worse instead of better. But thanks be to God that we have uh, doctors who are good and they're faithful and they serve. But the truth is we live in a world that doctors do not have all the answers to our questions, especially how we suffer in our life. And here this woman has been suffering a great deal. And instead of getting better, the scripture says in the 26th verse, she grew worse. So she's filled with emotion at this point. She's filled with frustration. She's filled with doubt. She's filled with fear. She's filled with apprehension over her situation. She now has reached the last moment of hope. And she's heard about this Jesus who can heal. And so she comes into the crowd and she she reaches out, but she knows she probably can't get to him because there's so many that are surrounding him. Yet her emotion, her will is determination. Well, I'm going to get close enough to at least touch his garment. <laughs> her will was so strong. She had some stubbornness about her. She was determined she was going to find a way through this storm she was in, and now she was going to make her way through the crowd. And even though she knew she couldn't get an audience with Jesus, all she could do was reach out and, and just touch his garment, touch his clothes. Here we have the touch again. Jairus is saying, come and touch my daughter, ordain my daughter, bless my daughter. She's dying, and now this woman is touching Jesus, but not him, but his clothes. And, and, and Jesus is there, and she's filled with emotion. The crowd uh, has gathered around him. They know he's the miracle worker, and, and she reaches out, and she says, because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, 
I will be healed. She believes it. Her will is such that she believes God will bless her and heal her through this man, Jesus. And she says, if I could but just touch him, I will, will be healed. And immediately, now when it says immediately in Mark, it means immediately. It means God just done something. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. Immediately, she felt in her body, she was freed, freed from her suffering. Her emotions at this point are overwhelming from pain and sorrow and suffering to now joy and hope and aspiration of a better life. She came this day looking for relief, looking for healing, looking for blessing, and even the mere presence of Jesus is enough where he doesn't even have to directly touch us, just his presence, his garments are holy. All that he touches is holy. If he touches you, you become holy. And so the woman, she is blessed and she is freed. That's the miracle within the miracle. I, I love this stuff. God, God does multiple things as Christ is coming again. There are many miracles unfolding even now. I know that things look negative. In fact, I talked to someone the other day and they said, Jerome, your generation must be a negative generation. You're always thinking negative. And I had to catch myself because I thought I was pretty positive, you know. And I started thinking about it, and yeah, I'm probably pretty guilty of feeling negative. Things are going to be bad. It seems like it's just like the news. You can't turn it on without feeling negative, and people just keep getting sick and more sick, and I'm negative. And is there any hope? Is there any relief? Is there any blessing? And as soon as we cure one thing, another thing pops up. And as soon as we fix one thing, another thing breaks. It's like this world is just broken no matter what, yet I listen to what they say. And the truth is that emotion sometimes overworks our life. It spills into our life and we start to see one side. But this woman did not see hopelessness. She saw hope. And her will became the will of God. And immediately, and then something amazing happens. Jesus realized somebody had just pulled power out of him. Now, let's think about that for a minute. Someone just pulled power out of Jesus. You know where the power is in a hurricane, in a cyclone? It's not in the winds that are swirling around. It's in the vortex. It's in the steel part where there's not the motion and emotion. It's in that center of the energy, the energy is from Christ. And Jesus at that point realized someone had reached out and touched his garment and the power had gone out of him. Now this has been much debated by theologians because some theologians want to make Jesus just a good guy, just a regular person. But this scripture says there's something more going on with Jesus. He's not just a regular person, he has power. And this power is the ability not just to heal, but to walk on water and to calm storms. He has power over nature. He has power over wind. He has power over water. He has power over disease. He has power over sorrow. And we know ultimately he even has power over death. And he has power over life. 
So this woman, she reaches out and she pulls some of that power. It's gone out from him. And he turns around in the crowd and he asks, who touched my clothes? And the people are going, a lot of people are touching your clothes. Yeah, they were, but they weren't touching him. They weren't touching him. They were only touching what they thought or what they perceived instead of what their heart knew, that this is Christ. And at once Jesus realized this, and the crowd said, who is touching you? Everybody's touching you, Jesus. And he was going, no, someone in particular has pulled the power out of me. They have touched me. And Jesus looks around, and then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, she came, and once again, she fell down. Notice the motion of we stand on our own, our own two feet. We come in the presence of God, and we must prostrate ourselves. God is not our co-pilot. When we come into the presence of God, we, it is required we submit ourselves. We get down on our knees. We bow humbly before the Lord. Anyone dares think they're going to walk up to God Almighty, Jesus the Christ, and stand, they will not stand for long, for they will be thrown into the pit. But in this case, the woman, she falls down on her knees and she is there and she falls and she's trembling with fear and she tells him the whole truth. And he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go now in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now his will is taking control of her, her life. His will is that her faith will grow and prosper. His will is that she will go in peace and be freed from the suffering that is hindered her and her life. So this motion now has turned into emotion, which has allowed God's blessing to take place. But the story ain't over. We just have dealt with the middle of it. We've just dealt with the miracle within the miracle. You know, that's another way of saying a funny thing happened on the way to the church this morning, you know. Years ago, when I just started preaching, I was over in the Sand Hills. I used to go from Marcus to Pleasant Hill, then I'd go from Pleasant Hill to Eagle Springs over in Moore County, and I had to cross the Drowning Creek. That's what they call it. In fact, Francis Asbury called it that in his journal. He used to go across that creek a lot as he traveled here in the Carolinas through his journey of being just, a, as a course, just a traveling minister, itinerant circuit rider. And that particular morning, uh, when I tried to cross the creek, somebody's cows, seven skinny cows were blocking my way in the road. So here I am stuck in this country road at a drowning creek with seven skinny cows and I can't get through them and I'm blowing the horn and they're mooing and they won't move. And so here I am and I get out of uh, my vehicle. It was a Hyundai XL at that point, Nathan. I was driving in style. I was going to seminary in my Hyundai XL. And here I am running around by Drowning Creek, waving my arms with my robe on like this at cows. And I was hoping somebody would see this because this, I'm certain it would have been viral had we had YouTube uh, back in that year, 1986. But I was waving at the cows and finally I got back in the car and eased my way through and I was about 10 minutes late. And the people at Eagle Springs said, where were you? And I said, you wouldn't believe it. A funny thing happened on the way to church this morning. I saw seven skinny cows, but I'm telling you, I'm going to see seven fat cows, and we're going to have uh, seven years of prosperity. I was bringing a little Old Testament in there uh, as the people were getting ready for the famine. And believe me, the famine has taken place. 
You want to know where the famine is? It's right now in America and it's spiritual. You got people arguing about spirituality on the news and who's more right and who's more wrong. And it's like some meter they have going left and going right. And suddenly one group will claim they got the moral high ground and the other group will claim they got the moral high ground. And neither one of them know what morality is or high ground is because neither one of them bow down before God. They all claim and they know what's right and wrong and how this is a terrible thing, yet they'll overlook that and they won't even see the old, the, their, own, uh, their own problems in their own eyes and they're, they're hypocrites because they don't face the truth. We all need to have emotion and come to Christ and reach out for Him and just being close to Him is enough. And a funny thing happened on the way to church. And in this scripture now, Jesus, He's going forth on His original mission which is leading to the eternal, is leading to the teal, the moment when God works the greater miracle. It's a great miracle that the woman is healed. It's a great miracle that her troubles are over. It's a great miracle that her years of being and suffering are now come to an end. But now a greater miracle is about to take place. And Jesus goes up to the house, but before he gets there, people are showing a different kind of emotion. They're showing the emotion of grief and sorrow. And they're saying that she's dead. Why are you even bothering to come anymore, Jesus, why bother the teacher, they say anymore. They, they are saying, Jesus, you don't even need to be here. Why Jairus is standing right there with Jesus, hearing them talk about his daughter, and he's erupting in probably emotion, going, how can it be that she has died? And then Jesus, he gives some commands here, and he only lets his inner core, Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, follow him, and Jairus and his wife, and the particular ones he allows in, and, and, and they enter into the house and when they enter into the house something wonderful takes place Jesus goes to where the girl has just died but Jesus says she is not dead she is just asleep now my daddy tells a story he used to tell the story about a lady down in Columbus County named Dorcas Ann Ward now I don't know if that was short for Dorcas or if that was her name but that's how he would say it Dorcas Ann Ward and she was a particular lady. She had a different way about her. Uh, she used to love to bite people when she got tickled and would laugh. So they would position strangers next to her and make her laugh so she would bite strangers. That was one of the things Miss Darkasand did. Well, another particular thing Miss Darkasand did was every, once about a month, uh, I guess she'd die. Yeah. And they'd lay her out on the kitchen table and they'd put a sheet on her. And after about an hour, she'd come to and she'd run around the house with the sheet and she'd be alive again. See, there's some strange people in the old days. I guess they didn't have entertainment on TV, so they just entertained themselves. And, and as a little boy, I'd hear that story and I could just imagine uh, this lady laying on the kitchen table with the sheet and jumping up, running around the house and being alive again. And I'm thinking to myself, now that's something to behold right there. But there was a day she did pass and she didn't get up. But in this case, the girl is there and the girl has passed. And it's a moment of great emotion, a great sorrow, yet for Christ, it's a moment of hope. It's a moment of blessing. He sees it from his perspective, which is now they can see the miracle outside of the miracle, not just the miracle within the miracle but the miracle beyond the miracle. And he says to the little girl, 
Not some secret incantation, not some secret word. He just simply says to her, get up. <laughs> get up. He tells her to get up. And immediately, it says it again, immediately. Whenever Mark says immediately, you better, it's like red letters. It's like a flag flying, something important. Immediately, the girl stood up and started walking around. You imagine her parents, uh, the leader of the synagogue and his family, they're all overcome with emotion, with joy. She has died and now she is well. And Jesus is there. Uh, and then he gave them strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And he told them to give her something to eat, which is what I like. He doesn't just heal us, he feeds us. Because sometimes in our lives we more, need more than just healing. We need to be fed. And he feeds the girl, probably because she hasn't eaten in days. She's been sick, most likely not able to eat. She's dropped off into a coma. She's not able to eat. So Jesus is not only caring about her body, he's caring about her soul. And he says, uh, give her something to eat. She's up now and the family's all happy. And the crowd, understand the crowd outside the building is still crying. Understand the crowd outside the building hasn't heard the news. They're still mourning. So you have this wailing going on outside the building. And inside the building, the girl's going, uh, I want some biscuits. I'm hungry. I've been dead. I I'm alive again. You know. And there's great joy. And imagine what happens when Jesus, he tells them, don't tell anybody. You know what they did immediately upon him saying, don't tell anybody? They went and told somebody. That's what people do. So I'm going to tell y'all something. Don't tell anybody. Spring Hill's the best thing going on right now. Don't, but don't tell nobody. Don't, don't tell nobody. I'm doing the same thing Jesus is doing here. That means you're supposed to go out and tell people. Myra can tell everybody at Chick-fil-A when they come through the drive-thru. Isn't that right, Myra? I was at Chick-fil-A yesterday getting me a milkshake. I'm picking on you, Myra. I'm sorry, but you're special. And I heard a voice through the window go, hey, Dr. Smith, here's your milkshake. And I'm going, what in the world? And I'm looking around and it's my. <laughs> Sisters and brothers, you get a special blessing when you get a Chick-fil-A milkshake, but you even get a greater blessing when someone like Myra gives it to you. See, that was the story within the story. So Jesus, he heals the girl. So we have motion. Christ is moving. Emotion, our response to that, and eternal, God lifting us up from where we are to where he wants us to be. And God wants us to be in a better place in our lives. God wants us to be at a better spot in our lives. He wants us to be in a better situation in our lives. He wants us to be in a better relationship with those we love and who love us in our lives. God is lifting us up even now as the Spirit is working its way through the midst of the world that we live in to the world that is coming. And sisters and brothers, believe me when I say there is a new world that is coming. It is a heaven not made with earthly hands. And it calls us home and it calls us to the eternal truth that Jesus Christ is Lord and King. Amen. The miracle in the miracle. 
Our service award and table three on page 15, I invite the helpers to come forward now and we'll share together. 